My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. That's why I created the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner, which is a free resource to help your business experience the same as mine. So all you have to do is plug in your business details into the given outline that I've created that has all the essential components of a brand voice guide. So you don't even have to pay to get it created like I did. You can plug in your information and you'll be well on your way to having a cohesive voice across all brand assets. And I've even shared my own brand voice guide with you so you can use it as a reference as you craft your own. It's like having a mentor right by your side. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number 68. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hey there, Amy Porterfield here, and welcome to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today's guest is Rich Brooks, and Rich Brooks is going to talk all about live events. Now, although he's not an event planner by trade, he knows a thing or two about live events. He's put on many for his own business, and I love the way that he breaks down how to plan a live event. He breaks it down into the three S's, speakers, sponsors, and seats. And that's exactly what we're going to get into today, how to fill your seats, how to make an amazing experience for those who attend and for your speakers, how to get speakers for your events. And I really like his take on sponsorship. He does a lot of sponsorship for his own live events and sponsors can save you a whole lot of money. So I think that part of the three S's, the sponsor is something we often overlook, but really valuable. So before we get into the interview, I want to tell you a little bit about Rich, if you don't know Mr. Rich Brooks, and he actually owns a digital agency in Portland, Maine. It's called Flight New Media. And I was doing some research just to make sure I gave him a good intro. He's been my friend for many years, but I wanted to do it right. And I stumbled upon his about page and it was so funny that I thought I'm going to read you a blurb from it because it's just so rich. This is his personality. And I love on the Flight New Media about page, they have their baby picture. So everyone that works in the company, it's their baby picture, which is always kind of fun. So this is what Rich says. I'm just going to read a tiny piece of it. He says his design skills, project management, and ability to understand even the most basic accounting concepts have required him to hire much smarter and more talented people than himself. Regardless, Rich seems to think a lot of himself and calls himself an internet marketing expert. Apparently, he likes to talk about himself in the third person as well. Rich loves to hear the sound of his own voice, so you can often hear him speaking in front of both local and national audiences on web design and internet marketing. He's also behind the Marketing Agents Podcast, a weekly internet radio show where he interviews marketing experts from around the world. 
So that's just a little blurb from his about page. Remember, just a few shows back, we did an episode about how to create your about page. I feel like he really brought his personality into it. He adds a little bit more. I'm not going to read it to you, but definitely worth checking out if you're looking for a really creative about page. So that's Rich, but I also want to tell you that he hosts a one-day conference in Maine. I think he's on to his fourth year now. I spoke at one of his events. It was fantastic. We'll talk about that in the interview. And the event is called the Agents of Change Digital Marketing Conference. It's excellent. Now, I invited Rich on the show today because although, like I said, he's not an event planner by trade, he knows a lot about planning live events and he has a unique way of teaching it. Like I said, the three S's, speakers, sponsors, and seats. Now, as always, I have a freebie for you. So before we dive in, you can grab the freebie based on the content of this show. It's called 10 Mistakes to Avoid When Planning Your Next Event. Rich helped us create this PDF based on his experiences of making mistakes down the road with all the events he's planned for his own business. So 10 mistakes to avoid when planning your next event. So to get your hands on that, all you need to do is go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 68 download, or you can text the phrase 68 download to the number 33444. Now I won't make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and dive in. Hey, Rich, Amy here. Are you ready to go? I am ready to ignite. Uh, we're not on John Lee Dumas' podcast. This is uh, Amy Porterfield. Do you know who I am? Wait, what day is this? <laughs> you are so terrible. Thank you so much for being here. John Lee Dumas will love the fact that you love his show more than mine, but I'm really <laughs> happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so we are talking live events and I'm excited about this because my audience is constantly saying, should I do a live event? I don't know. I think it'd be good for my business, but I don't really know how to do a live event. And you are not a live event planner, but you've got an amazing event. This is true. That was at a least, question and a statement. <laughs> yes. Um, I will leave it to other people to say whether or not I have an amazing event or not. But it is true that I have been putting on events now for over seven years and I am not an event planner. I mean, I've certainly learned a lot, but I'm a small business owner. You know, I run a web design and internet marketing company and I have been putting on events starting with just a simple lunch and learn uh, probably about 10 years ago now, maybe longer, um, and have moved into now we have an annual uh, full day conference that we put on here in Portland, Maine and live stream around the world. Uh, and that's now called the agents of change, but I've been doing the agents of change now for four years. And before that, something called social media FTW for three years. So it's been something that I just find is a great way of, of establishing my credibility, getting my name out there, generating leads for business, turning a profit at the events themselves, uh, all around, and it's been a big differentiator between me and my, you know, competitors out there in terms of like just getting out there and getting new clients. Okay, so the first question I have for you then is, who do you think should put on an event? So really, anybody can put on an event. I think they're great, even if you're like a small solopreneur or if you're running a, an organization or a small business owner. I mean, obviously, anybody can put on events, but if you're looking to kind of you know, change up the way that you engage with people, a live event may be the perfect thing for you. I'm not going to pretend it's not a lot of work because it's certainly easier to post something to Facebook than it is to put on a live event, but you can get some amazing return on your investment. And now I know you obviously 
love Facebook and you're a big Facebook person, Amy, and, and so am I. Um, but you are sure of seeing that, you know, the newsfeed is getting more crowded. It's more difficult to get noticed there. So a live event could be that thing that really separates you and raises you above all the other people out there in your industry doing similar things. Okay, so for your business, you are a service-based business, which makes me really happy to talk about that because I think I've got a 50-50 audience. Half of them have online training programs or are working on putting together online training programs, and the other half are service-based businesses, designers, programmers, coaches, consultants, all that good stuff. So because you are a service-based business, why did you want to put on a live event? Well, because I'm an egomaniac and I need you to be are. on the stage at all times. It's very true. I'm glad um, we're speaking the truth on this podcast today. Uh, yeah, you, you put me on the couch for sure. No, I mean, seriously, it did start off because one of my favorite ways of sharing information is being in front of an audience. I like to see somebody's reaction to see if they're getting it or if I'm going over their head or I've completely put them to sleep. So it started with me just putting on some presentations. Um, and long story very short is that um, I noticed that when I started doing social media presentations, the rooms would sell out because I was doing them for other people. They would collect all the money and I would get really nothing out of it. So I decided to put together my own event with a couple friends thinking, how hard could it be? <laughs> well, it turns out there's a lot of things you need to learn along the way, but hopefully today I can share some of the, uh, the things that you should be thinking about so that you won't make all the mistakes that I made when I first started out. Okay. So last time you and I talked, I was on your podcast and at the very end you were saying, yeah, I have this, basically this training I do about doing a live event and it's broken up into three parts, speakers, sponsors, and seats. And we're going to yes. get into each one of those. But before we do so, my question to you and um, others can kind of relate to this if they're in a service-based business or if they're not, but did you think, okay, I'm going to put on a live event so I can make a lot of money? I mean, was the money a big part of your decision to do a live event? Yes. I mean, I definitely didn't do it out of the goodness of my own heart. I did it because I'm a business person. Okay, I wait. certainly am not trying to fleece anybody. Right. Time out. I kind of asked that in a weird way. What I really meant was, did you do it to make money at the door, like for tickets or was the end game to actually attract more clients into your service-based business or both? Amy, I'd say it has to be both. Okay. For me personally, there are definitely, you know, you can be successful by using your conference as a loss leader and you can be successful by putting on a conference and not having anything to sell after it. But for me, I just knew that for the energy and time that I was going to need to put into this conference, I wanted to treat this like a project. Like if somebody of a business comes to me and says, Rich, I need a new website and some SEO. I need to make a profit on that project. I felt that the conference should be treated as a project within my own business. So I have, you know, kind of through the through doing all these events, started to figure out where are the places that I can make money in this event. And because it always takes money to put on any decent sized event, I also needed to find ways of saving money. Because if you can save $3,000 somewhere, that basically at the end of the day means you've just made $3,000. So I'm looking at different ways of basically monetizing, although I'm not a fan of that word, but monetizing these events. Gotcha. Okay. So I don't know if we're diving into speaker sponsors or seats just yet with this question, but my first question is, well, I guess I've already asked a few questions, but the real first question is, what kind of things do you need to plan for when you're setting up your first event? Sure. So some of the things that I usually would sit down, if this was my first event or if somebody's listening and it's their first event, you know, you need to come up with some basics. The number one is you're putting on an event for people. So who is this audience? Like, what do they look like? Um, who's your avatar? 
do they, what kind of information do they want to consume? What are they looking to accomplish? What are they looking to do? And then once you've kind of got a sense of who that is, then maybe you start to think about, especially if this is your first conference, how many people am I going to get? Because you may have no idea. And even giant conferences like uh, South by Southwest, for example, started off very small. So there's nothing wrong with an event that has 12 people in it as long as it's the right 12 people and they're paying you enough money to cover your expenses. So the next thing is like, well, how many people do I expect? And therefore, what kind of space do I need? Now, actually, I, I almost forgot about this. Years ago, we have a little... Um, conference room here at flight and I used to just move the conference table out of the way and we used to sell tickets limited to 10 people at a time and I would just do little presentations right here in flight and it would make 500 bucks you know just doing things like that it's not a lot of money but it was 500 bucks I didn't have at the beginning of the day right. so it really just so that's another thing you need to figure out is what is the physical space going to look like there's a lot more that goes into it. How am I going to sell tickets? How am I going to promote this event? And then we get kind of into, you know, how do I find my speakers? Am I going to be the only speaker or am I going to get other people as well to present at my conference or event? Okay. So I think one of the number one questions that comes up the most is how am I going to fill the seats? Yeah. Like that's yeah, a big that's fear, I think. Yeah. So I put on like a, I was telling you, I put on a beta class about, you know, trying to teach this information. And so one of the first things I did is I interviewed a lot of people who were interested in, and I asked them, I'm like, well, what's keeping you from putting on your event? And the number one answer was basically fear of failure, fear that you'd throw an event and no one would show up. And I can tell you that is a terrifying fear. And every year I kind of go through it because people love buying tickets at the last possible moment. Yeah. So that's something you need to. And this is why I'm a big proponent of starting small. Um, my sweet spot tends to be the one day conference. You look at somebody like Mike Stelzner and he's got like the two or three day conference. Other events go on for multiple days with multiple tracks. But if you're doing this like kind of as a way of raising awareness and raising funds for your company, then you can start with a lunch and learn or a half day. You know, even my full day conference has started as a half day conference. So I wouldn't have to worry about breakfast or lunch or any other meals. I just had to get coffee from the cafeteria. Well, that's so just rude. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to start small. I recommend, I should say, starting small um, and, yeah. and having that plan in place. Uh, what was your question again? Okay, so filling the room. So filling the room, it, it helps if you have a list. I know you're a huge fan of list building, and this is where it comes in handy because I've discovered over the years that nothing sells tickets like email. It really does make a difference. Every year we try new tactics and new ways of reaching people, but the bottom line is that opt-in list that you've been building over time is definitely going to be your number one asset because people do like live events, you know, live in-person events. So, you know, that can be a real be uh, one way of definitely getting people to attend. But I've done a number of things over the years. You know, you always want to be leveraging other people's networks. And so one thing that I've done over the years, and I continue to do this year that, that tends to be successful, is I did a, you know, my event tends to be about 90% people within 50 miles. So I've identified almost every business organization in the state from the main small business development centers to the, uh, to, to score, to all these different main center for entrepreneurial development. And I've formed relationships with them where I say, here's an email that you can send out to your audience and give them $25 off just for being a member of your organization. You're saving them money. They're learning new information. You look like a hero. I get more people. 
everybody wins. Mm-hmm. And I basically craft these emails. I send them out to them. And because I've done this a number of years, and in part because they've come to realize that the event I put on is pretty awesome, they're more than happy to share it. And I further incentivize them. I say, listen, if you include it in your monthly email newsletter, that's great. Here's the discount code. If you send a one-off blast that's only about the agents of change, then I'll give you a free ticket worth $300. Oh, okay. So that even gives, and for me, and and I'm sharing some numbers here, but for me, we've done the math. It's $30 for us to bring somebody into the facility. $30 covers the security, the room deposits, uh, and the food, which, by the way, is the most expensive thing. So I I rent space in a local university. I know you've been there. So beautiful. Uh, It's a gorgeous space, gorgeous space. And so I was lucky. It's much less expensive than maybe, you know, going to the Westin and getting a corporate room or something like that. And it's just visually more more attractive. Um, But I know my number is $30. So for $30, I get access to 500 emails, 5,000 emails maybe. That's a no-brainer in my book. Bring them to the website by giving them that discount offer, and then we use retargeting, which I'm guessing you must have talked about on your podcast at one time or another, so that we can follow the people who don't buy a ticket around the web and nag them until they do. (laughs) Lovely. I love the word nag. That's the word I use all the time, of course, when I teach this. (laughs) Okay. So this is good stuff. I like that you mentioned that yours is very, uh, a local type event. I think you said what 90% of people are 15 miles away. Something like Something that. Something like maybe, that. Maybe okay. 50 miles. Yeah. Okay, great. But the one thing that you don't do is you don't keep your speaker local, your speakers local, meaning I've been there before. You've gotten some huge, awesome names there. Chris Brogan was there when I was there. I know Derek Halpern's been there. Um, Rick Mulready, John Lee Dumas, right? Who are some yeah, other people that you've had at your events? Uh, well, Mike Stelzner spoke, Jamie Lee Tardy, uh, the eventual millionaire. This year we have uh, Marcus Sheridan from nice. the sales line. He's okay. amazing, right? He is one of my very, very favorite speakers. I cannot believe you got Marcus. That is awesome. I didn't know that. Again, getting back to the nagging, I just kept on asking. Perfect. And we can actually talk let's about Let's talk about speakers. Let's talk about speakers yeah. because one of the things that you'll discover is there's three ways that you get speakers. One is by paying them. Okay. One is by getting them to do it for free because they want the um, they want the visibility. And the other is they pay you. Oh, now, wow. <laughs> That's right, a good exactly. one. That, always, that sounds great. And a little bit of this goes a long way. It's kind of like salt. So the reason why they pay you is because actually they're sponsors. And many of the things that sponsors want, one of the many things, is they want to be seen as thought leaders. So they want to get up there and they want to present. So we've always had a few, and you know, I've been to events that were fully funded by sponsors. And every every, um, thing seemed to be a panel filled with sponsors. And it was an awful event. So you can really go overboard on this. So don't just chase the dollar. But I do think it is a nice mix to bring in some sponsors, especially ones that have products or services that really, and I mean really, are going to benefit your ideal customer, the one that you want in the seats. Because then it's a really good mix. So for us, if we get somebody who does, you know, um, marketing automation software or email software or any of those things that small businesses need to do digital marketing, that makes a lot of sense. And to, so to bring in a speaker to talk about here's how you build your list or here's how you set up an auto drip system or whatever it may be, that's a natural fit for me. So I feel good about giving them the stage and, of course, about getting that sponsorship in return. Okay. Gotcha. And sometimes, you know, it depends on your budget. You know, if you want to get Seth Godin for your event, that's great. I hope you have twenty-five to $50,000 or maybe $100,000 to get him to show up. 
But for most small businesses, that's just not going to happen. So in that case, you might have to go for some smaller, more, I mean, when we started off, I had a relationship with Chris Brogan and he also lived in the state of Maine when he was growing up. So there was a natural connection. You and I have been friends forever. I've got those incriminating photos of you. So you (laughs) said yes. Uh, And then Derek Halpern was just getting started. So it happened to be that I got very lucky where I got this guy who was about to explode uh, to come to Maine. Yeah, very great points. And I will say something about Rich. Rich is a natural connector kind of guy, networker. You're very, very outgoing. You talk to anybody. I don't really know if you know a stranger. So there is that about your personality. Now, not everyone's like that, including me. So what do you say about those people that it's a little bit intimidating thinking about going after these people? That's a great question. And of course, it's hard for me because I I don't really think of myself as a natural networker, but I've been doing this long enough that some of the stuff I don't notice that they're pain points anymore. But I will tell you, it never hurts to ask. And when I say ask, you got to get in front of the right person. It's funny because uh, I'll tell the story and I hope I don't get in trouble. But Chris Brogan, um, I ran into him the night after my social media FTW's third year when I swore I will never put on another event. I'm (laughs) I'm just done with this. Um, And I ran into him that night and uh, he had happened to be at a social media breakfast in Maine that was going on at nighttime because it was about the local beer industry and he was moderating the panel and I said, hey, Chris, how you doing? It's Rich Brooks. And he said, Rich, seriously, we've met 27 times. You need to stop introducing yourself. (laughs) So so I said, okay, I promise I, I won't do that anymore. And then he turns to me and he says, so how was your event yesterday? And I'm like, oh, my God, Chris Brogan knows I had an event. <laughs> Luckily, that was my internal voice. So that never came out. <laughs> um, and we talked. I said it was great. You know, we got a local NBC station to come in and film it. And we did all this sort of stuff, 400 people. And he's like, great. I'd love to get involved with that one day. And like my jaw just dropped. And yeah. Like, Are you kidding me? He goes, no. I said, well, you know, to be honest, Chris, I actually reached out to your people this year. And I asked if you'd want to be involved with our previous conference. And they said I couldn't afford you. And he said, oh, you can't but I'll do it for free. So that's kind of how I got Chris Brogan. So you will find those connections. Maybe it's somebody who's got a tie to a business. I know from talking to sponsors that sometimes they'll only sponsor something if one of their board members are are involved or something. So sometimes it's about finding the right person to connect to, to reach that person. Sometimes it may be about um, paying that person. Sometimes somebody has a book coming out. And so you may have to agree to buy a certain number of books on a certain day to get their book sales up. So they hit the Amazon top 10 or something like that. So it's, I mean, this is just negotiation, which is not something I'm a special master at, but you need to understand what that person was looking for. And one of the most difficult things I find is getting sponsors. Right now, most of my sponsors are based on personal relationships I have, not being able to actually sell new sponsors. But I always ask sponsors, why do you want to be involved? Like what would be good for you where you'd call me up the day after the conference and say, I want to renew for next year? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Okay. And then they just tell me and a lot of times they're like, Rich, I just want to be associated with the brand. Like I just want when people see agents of change that they think about my bank or they think about this or whatever the case may be. Others want to be thought leaders. We need to get a speaker. Other people want lists, you know, whatever it may be. So it's an important question to find out, is there something uh, that this speaker might want that you can provide that won't break your bank? Okay, because we are a little bit, we're using sponsors and speakers interchangeably. And you're doing that because usually when you get a sponsor, they might want a place on stage to speak about whatever they are involved in. Sometimes, yes. And other sponsors, they shy away from the stage. They just want to be associated with your brand. Um, And another thing I just want to kind of throw out there, 
especially when you're not an event planner per se, and this is just something you're doing as a side um, thing for your business, you want to find other sponsors that you can do barters and trades with. So I do a lot of barters with local media to get advertising in their newspapers, magazines, TVs. I actually got NBC, the local NBC affiliate, to make a commercial starring me. Oh, that ran like during news shows and during prime time, like 15 second of me just explaining what the Agents of Change conference was. And it was huge for the, my visibility and the conference's huge. visibility in the state. Well, right? what did yeah. you need to do to get that? And keep this PG, please. I've got children listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, this is that this is kind of a culmination. I have uh, been the tech guru on a local TV show for a while, which you know just kind of came about. And they asked me if I wanted to do it, and I did it. And I basically just formed relationships. And I always try and you know do good work for them. And so then when this opportunity came up and I took it to them, they were open towards trying it and part of the agreement. Cause I knew I'm like, Hey, I'd like to be on TV more than I already am. So, uh, again, the ego thing. Yeah. And so basically I, I finagled that. And then I've gotten like last year, uh, John Lee Dumas was speaking at my event and I called up the show that I'm usually on and they don't usually like when I'm doing self-promotional stuff. So I said to them, hey, listen, you know, we've got this conference coming up. You guys have been involved in the past. What if I put together a panel of people from Maine who are speaking there? Because John was there. Then there was another woman we were going to bring on. Uh, and they loved that idea because I could tie it into, you know, um, you know, being from Maine sort of thing. So that was something that they liked, too. Okay. Uh, but I was going to say, like, in terms of bartering, um, one of the things that I got the school to agree to was we would buy breakfast, lunch, and all of the break food from them, that, that's what they require. But they let me get, um, they let me bring in pizza during the networking event that wasn't going through them. I talked to the pizzeria across from the university and I got them to become our pizza sponsor. They gave us $500 worth of pizza for free. Their, their cost on this was probably like 200 bucks or right. less. They get all this promotion through us. We talk about them. We thank them for the pizza. It's good pizza. $500 of pizza for free. That's, that's normally awesome. that would have been like a thousand dollars worth of food I would have had to buy from the university. So that's me making a thousand dollars. Um, we worked with a local brewery to provide us free beer. We, a buddy of mine who's actually my mastermind is opening up a distillery. So now this year we're going to have a spirit sponsor as well. It's not going to cost me anything. And he's going to be able to roll out his brand new product at the agents of change conference. Okay. So, so these are the kind of things yes. that I try and work so that I can create a really memorable experience, a very main-based experience, because that's one of our differentiators in the conference space, um, provide an amazing experience and also not break the bank. Okay, so so many good points here. The one thing I keep hearing over and over again, although you're not using the word, you are definitely networking. You're finding different ways to connect people to your great brand and what's in it for them. That's a great question. I think you need to keep asking when you're doing an event, asking anybody to do anything, what's in it for them is a question you got to ask. But also, um, I think that people need to get themselves out there, whether it be just locally, or I know you go to a lot of events all across the U S and I think that if you're sitting in front of your computer and you don't step out of that comfort zone and you don't go to these live events, I think it would be a little bit tough to fill an event. Would you agree or disagree? Well, it, yes and no. I mean, the bottom line is you could fill an event by having the right message at the right time and keeping it very hyper local. And therefore, you don't have to leave your place. But I will say, you know, I know, Amy, you think I'm some like master networker I and do. I'm out there all the time. And I'll tell you that it, 
I used to be super afraid of talking to people. Really? This isn't one of those coming to Jeebus moments or anything like that. But it was like, I just really struggled having conversations with people. Even now I do. Like if I went to a conference where I knew no one, I'd still struggle. I, I'm not, you know, like an am amazing networker. But what I do now is as I have my group of friends and they keep on expanding and as I get to know you and you introduce me to the next person, the next person, the next person. Yeah, I've definitely expanded my circles of influence, as they say. Um, and I'm able to make connections that I wasn't able to before. It wasn't really any sort of plan that I had. But yeah, absolutely. Making connections in real life yeah. is a very powerful thing. I agree. Now, I've got a question for you. Have you had a situation yet where you reached out to a speaker that you didn't really have a connection with? Maybe, maybe, maybe you met him once, but let's say you hadn't. Have you ever reached out to a speaker where you hadn't met him in person, connected with them maybe over social media and you pitched them to come speak at your event and you were not paying them. Yes. Okay. Talk um, to me about that. Well, sometimes it's funny because now may, maybe it's because I've been doing this for a while, or maybe this is what just happens naturally. But I get people all the time who are like, Hey Rich, I'd love to speak at your event. Um, some people would love to speak at my event until I find out generally I don't pay my speakers. Um, then they're seemingly less interested, but I've had people call me up and say, Rich, I'm willing to waive my $20,000 speaking fee. Cause I like you so much, you know, whatever it may be, or I, I like your event so much. Um, and I don't really know if they actually charge 20,000 or not. Um, so I do get some speakers in that way, but I have, um, and I, and I did this and I don't know if I did this because Mike Stelzner told me to, or I was just doing it on my own, but I have my podcast and anybody who wants to be on my, in my conference has to have been interviewed on my show. Oh, so that's one of the ways that I vet new people. The other thing for me this year is I really wanted to make sure that I tackled all the important digital marketing platforms, especially ones we hadn't talked about in the past. And so one of the thing that I did is uh, I knew I wanted a LinkedIn speaker, which is ironic because I didn't uh, actually end up with one. Um, and I knew I wanted an SEO presenter as well. And I couldn't find somebody local who I really wanted to have up there. Um, hopefully none of my friends who do local SEO are listening to this episode right now. I just, just realized that. Uh, but anyway, um, and what I did is I went to, well, actually, so the SEO guy, he approached me. He said, Hey, I'd love to come to your conference. I said, well, to be honest, I don't know if I have any room, but I'd love to get you on the show. Cause it's been a while since we talked about SEO. I interviewed him. His name's Tom Craver. I loved him. He did a great job of explaining SEO at any level. And I said, I'd love to have you. And we worked out a deal. Uh, another woman who will remain nameless. Um, I wanted a LinkedIn expert. I went to LinkedIn. I found LinkedIn expert. I reached out to her. We had a great connection. We had a great interview on the podcast. And then I said, hey, listen, I'd love to have you come to my conference and present. She said, absolutely. My day rate is $3,000. And then and I said, well, I said to her, I said, you know what? I totally respect that because that's actually $2,000 less than my day rate is. However, <laughs> and I respect the fact that you need to take time off from work and all these sort of things. The bottom line is the only money I have in my budget for speakers is taking you out to dinner, giving you a free pass to my conference and giving you two nights at a luxury hotel in Portland, Maine. And either we can do it or we can't. And you know what? We couldn't. And I don't blame her at all because that's part of her business. I'm not upset about this at all. I would have loved to have her. Maybe next year she'll come. Maybe next year I'll have a bigger budget or maybe next year she'll be like, it's really good for my, um, for, for my business that I appeared at the Agents of Change conference. You know, one thing I will say when I spoke, you know, I, I obviously didn't get paid either. However, I did it because I love Agents of Change. I love what you've created. I love your event. I know you put a lot of effort into making it an awesome event. I also really appreciated it was just one day. 
So to me, I think one day events are fantastic. You're in, you're out, you get great value, but also you took great care of me. Like you said, you put me up in an awesome hotel. Maine is so absolutely beautiful. I had my first, um, lobster where your wife showed me how to do it. It was a little bit messy, but we went to that really fun lobster place where you took all your speakers. So there's something about taking great care of your speakers, especially if you're not paying them to make them feel like, wow, they, this guy really does think I'm important. He's glad I'm here. It made the event extra special. So you do a great job of that. And I think it's a great lesson to teach people as well. Well, I appreciate that. And obviously we loved having you. And I tell you every year, when are you going to come back? And you say never, because I hate speaking publicly. No, it's um, not that I hate it. It's just not on my agenda this year. One, the day you decide it's on your agenda, just call me up, tell me, and okay. you're back in. Thanks. But yeah, you definitely took great care of me. And that was a lot of fun. And I think people need to remember somewhere or another, they need to figure out when your speakers get in town and is there, you know, something in their room for them? And are you going to take them out that night? And then we all went out the night of the event as well. And that was a lot of fun. So it was a great experience for speakers. So thanks for that. Absolutely. And it's also a good opportunity for you to bond with other people who are doing speaking who you may not have known as well. Yes. And for and for us, Maine is a big selling point. And September is my favorite time of the year here. So all those things kind of work together. Um, Amy, I don't know what your timeline is like. And I know there were a couple of things that I absolutely wanted to just share with your audience if they are thinking about putting on their own events. Uh, yeah, we're not done. Do you have to hurry and go? I, I have nothing to do okay. except <laughs> at some point I'll go and I'm going to go camping this weekend. But okay. that can wait. Okay, good. So I've got some more questions here. So Perfect. we've talked a lot about speakers. You have definitely talked about sponsors. I want to talk about butts and seats kind of thing, but were you going a different direction? Cause we can keep no, going. No, that was like kind of one of the big things that I okay. wanted to make sure to, we talked about. So, um, so yeah, let's talk about seats. And the other thing that I want to do as I frame this is, um, like you said, I, I, when I talk about this, when I try and share this idea with people, one of my ideas is the idea of, uh, speaker sponsors and seats. The other one is before, during, and after. Uh, and a lot of that comes down to selling seats. So one of the things that you are going to struggle with is what do I charge? Yes. What do I charge for this? So, and that's, I wish I had an answer, but it is a huge, it depends answer. And so it depends on how long it is. It depends on what your costs are. It depends on what the value is. I will tell you when I first started putting on even lunch and learns, I charged for it. And the reason I charge for it is because I find that if you have a free event, people will be excited about it and then they don't show because they don't have any skin in the game. So you have to charge something, even if you're just getting started, even if this is more about lead generation than it is about making money at your event, you have to charge something so people understand that there's a value to what they're getting. Uh, so when it comes to, you know, one of the things you might want to do is just sit down and figure out what is it going to cost? Just like I said, I know it's $30 ahead. That is what it costs me to put on this conference and everything above that could be considered profit, although not really because I have a lot of other expenses, but in terms of getting people in the door. So that's one thing that you really have to keep in mind. You are definitely going to have to do some promotion. And one of the things that I have found over the years is having an editorial calendar is very helpful. So then you know 
when am I going to send out those nagging emails to all the people who haven't bought tickets yet that ticket sales prices are going to go up, those sorts of things. Um, and as well on the price, you know, are there any other upsells you can sell them? So I have a physical pass and then we also have a digital pass as well. We videotape everything. We have a live stream and you can get the conference on demand. So one of the things I try and do is get people who are buying a physical pass, be like, hey, listen, don't miss any of the breakout sessions. Grab the digital pass so you'll be able to watch everything on demand when you get back to the office. So those are the kind of upsells you might want to think about as well. Um, and then you also want to talk about promotion, you know, like how do you get people to, to buy the tickets? We, you know, I mentioned earlier, people want to wait to the last possible minute to get tickets because something else might come up. And so you need to install that FOMO, FOMO, fear of missing out. And in this case, it's the fear of missing out of discounted prices. So what we do is we have, first of all, we have a crazy one day special, which is only $99 for the tickets that ultimately are 300 <clears throat> one year it was so successful that go, ever since then, we limit the number of crazy one-day tickets. Oh, wow, tickets. that's good. And when do you offer that? Well, like, that's already gone. Like we, we've already, I know, but you know, like the already, very so, first day? Yeah, so like okay. May 1st, say, if this, I think usually our tickets go on sale around May 1st for a September conference. Um, I know some conferences, especially bigger ones, start selling tickets for the next year the day after. We're just not that organized. <laughs> that's, you know, that's pretty the bottom impressive. line is still not the focus of my business. It's just right. kind of this thing I love doing. Um, so we start selling tickets in May and we have a crazy one day special in part to get the word out. Uh, we usually send out an email before that saying, hey, get ready. There's a crazy one day special. And we do that only to people who have gone in the past. So that kind of gives them like, hey, thank you. I appreciate that you went in the past. I'm going to give you a heads up that we've got 50 tickets that are only 99 bucks. They're going on sale at midnight at such and such a date. You're going to hear first, and then we're not going to tell anybody else. They may find out, but we're not going to tell them. Um, and then we've got what we call our early bird discounts, and that lasted basically May and June, and it ended at the end of June. And then... So, and, and of course, the reason why we do all the, and then in July, they're a little bit more, in August, they're a little bit more, in September, they're a little bit more, and then the last week is when they're full price. And the reason we do this is so that we always have something to talk about and this idea of scarcity. Like, the 199 tickets, dollar tickets are only on sale for another five days. Like, if you don't buy them now, you're going to be spending more money on it later. Like, go talk to your boss right now, pull out your checkbook, whatever you need to do, but it's like, why are you going to pay more money next week when you get the same event the same experience for less money now. And so we can continue to say that every single month. I love that. I think that's something I learned from Mike Stelsner of Social Media Examiner. He was telling me that that was working for their event as well. Like every week or so they have some kind of new opportunity that they get to mail out about usually related to price. So the scarcity thing is a big one. Absolutely. Because there's only so much you have to talk about on an event that may only have one, five, ten speakers you know, people don't need to hear from you all the time. So if there's something you can talk about now, we'll probably do some other fun things like 10 places to eat in Portland, Maine, 10 places to stay in Portland, Maine, 10 things to do in Portland, Maine, that sort of stuff. But that's just really filler because at the end of the day, we need to sell tickets. Like I really, you know, I really need to sell probably 200 tickets, but I really expect to sell 350 and I'd really love to sell 400. Okay. I like goals like that. So setting some goals where what's the necessity here? What's a really good thing? What's uh this will knock my socks off kind of number. I think those are important to put out there just internally. So you know where you're going with that. And, and speaking of promoting tickets, do you have a sales page? Uh, we have a re we have a sales website, I would say, but you okay. know what? That's an interesting thing. We've actually talked about this because it's funny. We're doing Facebook ads, and we just started doing pay per click ads. Um, but 
I'm not 100% sure, embarrassing to say, running an agency, that we do what we do for our clients, which is we may just be sending them to our register page rather than to a specialty page. Actually, now that I say that, I think I asked them to do that last week because we weren't, and so I don't know if it exists yet. But if not today, then probably by next week we'll have those specialty squeeze pages, both for Facebook, pay-per-click, as well as retargeting ads. Now, in the past, though, have you just sent them to a reg page? Yes, or a homepage, which has a video. You know, the nice thing about having the whole thing recorded is we also pay a few extra bucks <clears throat> and have the video production team put together a highlight reel for us or a sizzle reel, as it's called in the industry. That sounds so sexy. I love it. So you've got a little <laughs> sizzle reel and that would be on a page and then you click a button, you can sign up. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. So you don't necessarily need a full blown out sales page about every single detail of the event. It would be nice, but I think that's overwhelming to people just getting started with anything. And right. so you can kind of build up to it over the years. So here, th that's an interesting point. So for both social media FTW and for agents of change, we built out a website. Okay. You talk about like maybe it was a little intimidating to have a sales page. We actually did. And uh, it's funny, you know, obviously both of us been heavily influenced by Michael Stelzner. Right. Um, he, this was more on the marketing agents brand, which I've since folded into agents of change. But, you know, he told me he loved the characters that I created for agents of change. And if you haven't seen them, if you're listening there, I know you've seen them, Amy. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're three special agents. Uh, one that represents search engine optimization, one that represents social media, one that represents mobile marketing. And so they've got these three kind of like cool looking agents and that's the vibe of the show. And it's something a little bit unique. I spent time and energy before I even made my first dollar on creating a brand that was memorable. Now, a lot of people are not going to do this and I'm not saying you have to do it, but if you really want to differentiate yourself, that's the way to go. Now, if you've already got a company, like I could have easily created a conference called Flight School. And just had it the same kind of thing and I would have had all the branding ready to go. So you could, and I think this might be a much more affordable way to go, create a, uh, an event directly off the brand that already exists for you. Okay. So that might be another way to go too. Now, but the you more you differentiate yourself, I think the better off you're going to be able to be, the better your story is going to be. Okay. So you went with Agents of Change, which is totally separate from Flight, your service-based business. And you have a blog as well, right? Well, the Agents of Change website has a blog and now it has a podcast because we basically took our old marketing agents podcast and rebranded it as the Agents of Change podcast. Great. And so if you want to down the road, you can be adding more elements to Agents of Change versus just a live event where that's the profit right now. You can add other things to it. So it's its own that's brand that stands alone. It absolutely is. So really okay. right now I have two brands, one for my day job, you know, Flight New Media, the digital agency, and then one for this more like resource for digital marketers who may not be looking to hire a company like Flight New Media, but still want great advice. So Agents of Change is now not just the digital marketing conference. It's basically your source for digital marketing knowledge, which is going to be a pod, which is a podcast and a conference. And then down the road, maybe more things. But, cool. you know, again, that's the long-term plan and, and much bigger than maybe just saying, hey, Rich, I'd like to create an event so I can build my business. Okay. And when you say you have a website, so I was saying, do you have a sales page for Agents of Change event? You said, well, we have a website. Where do you see the difference between a website and a sales page for a live well, event? So a sales page, if I was going to build something off of my own website, if, I, if I'm one of your listeners and yeah. I'm like, oh, this sounds good. I really want to get started. Um, I would be thinking like, okay, well, I'm probably, I don't need to build another website. 
I've got a website. It's going to be about me. So I'm just going to create a sales page on my website. So that's probably what I'm talking about. Um, If you want to do an event that's going to repeat, if you really are going to build a brand and that brand may be the brand you already own or it may be a new brand like I did for Agents of Change, then you might want to be thinking about creating its own website. And last year, by the way, Agents of Change, although there's no other conferences called that, there are a lot of other things called Agents of Change, which I didn't know at all when I first started. Um, And we were just getting creamed for the first two years in search. Last year, for the first time, most people, when they search for Agents of Change, were getting, at least in the U.S., were getting our website as the number one result which was great to see, obviously. And I certainly couldn't have done that if I had a page on my website of Flight New Media called Agents of Change. Perfect. Okay. So I think people need to, you know, you can start small and maybe it's just one page off of your website. But at some point, if you say, well, this is going to be an annual event or twice a year event and I want to keep on repeating it and building on the success, that's when you might want to think about building out a separate website specifically for the event. Okay. That makes sense. Now, um, are you like wrestling around in the background? Are you moving around a lot? What are you doing? I am pacing as I always do. Do you need me to stand still? No, you've done it the whole time now, so I'm totally cool with it. But I'm thinking, is there like some weird thing going on in your office? What are you doing over there? No, you can pace. I'm just going to tell everyone you're pacing without pants on because before (laughs) we started this podcast, I had some audio issues. And so he had to wait forever till I fixed it. And he's like, I'm so hot in my office. I I can't handle this. I just got to take my pants off for this interview. (laughs) So you all can just picture Rich in his underwear pacing, doing this podcast. Podcast. And we're not done yet, but we'll hurry because I know you're hot. I'm have- pretty sure that this will now be your lowest rated <laughs> podcast. Probably so. Hopefully people will stay with us here. I've got two more questions. The first question I have for you is what can you do the day of the event to just knock people's socks off? Well, I mean, part of it, you will have had a plan. You had to do something different. In years past, we've done something that's a little bit different. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had Roderick Russell, who's a professional sword swallower, among other things. And he swallowed a 26-inch sword during, during his presentation about how to be remarkable. You can imagine that on Twitter and, and Instagram, that was all over the place. Yes. That so that was pretty amazing. Um, so having then, something fun that people will want to put on social media, that's cool. Very good. Yeah. Very important. Having a hashtag, of course, you want to promote a hashtag for the event. So like people start talking about it. Uh, we gave, I also recommend, I mean, mine is more social media oriented, so I'm going to have a higher percentage of people on Twitter, but you can incentivize people. During the opening credits, we always have like, hey, this is, you know, a here's the Wi-Fi login, but also here's the hashtag. Please, you know, everything you share today, use AOC in this year. It'll be hashtag AOC 2015. And then we will sometimes like one year we got um, 10 gift certificates from L.L. Beans and we handed them out randomly to people who use the hashtag. Um, You know, other years uh, there's a beer tour, beer bus tour, and we've given discount, you know, we've given those out for people who use the right hashtag and stuff like that. So, you know. We try and incentivize people to start sharing it so that it builds upon itself. I also have one employee who works under the Flight New Media Twitter account, another one who uses who use the agents of change account and they were tweeting their own stuff as well as retweeting a lot of the other people's stuff so that really just kind of like increased the noise and visibility this year i'm planning on getting one of those board or i'd like to get one of the boards up there yes. that shows everybody's tweets and stuff like that so you can kind of see it in real time that's fun. um 
until somebody decides to put up the most disgusting thing ever with your hashtag and then you got to shut the board down. But anyway, right. um, hopefully that won't that. happen to us. Okay. Well, speaking of things that might happen, what could possibly go wrong? And I was laughing because when you were saying you first met with Chris Brogan, where he says you've met him 26 times before that, you were saying I had vowed that was going to be my last event. So did something go wrong? What could go wrong? Well, in that particular case, it was just the fact that I realized personally that I'm bossy. <laughs> really, <laughs> At the end of the day, I decided after having two partners for years that I needed to be the one to make the final decision. You know, I run my own company and I pay very close attention to what my employees say. And in some cases, I give them what I call 51% ownership of something. But at the end of the day, I'm still the boss. And what I realized is, for example... Here's an, here's an example of something that went wrong, and then this is why I needed to do my own conference. Okay, wait, because you were doing a conference with partners. The first, the social media FTW, I had done with two partners, friends of mine. Gotcha. And we put on three successful events, but they were stressful. The okay. second year, which was our first full-time event, we had breakfast and lunch planned. And I had, you know, in the email say, don't eat anything. We've got breakfast for you. We've got lunch for you. And I get there, and I'm like, so where's breakfast? Uh. And my contact had not even come in yet. And people are registering and they're like looking around for food. And I'm about to go on stage. Like who needs that stress? So ultimately I tracked her down. She said, oh no, you didn't pay, you didn't, you know, that's not the contract. I'm like, listen, we'll figure this out later. But meanwhile, I got 400 people who now you're telling me are not going to eat until noon. You got to get them some food. And so they figured out something. They brought in like giant bowls of yogurt and they had, you know, cliff bars and stuff. and, and, And people got fed and it got taken care of. But can you imagine the stress that I was under at that moment, yes. like 10 minutes before I have to take the stage in front of all these angry people? Yeah, that's so, not fun. So after that, I went to my team and I said, OK, so going forward, we need to have an event coordinator there so I don't have to deal with these things. And they're like, well, I'm not sure that that's a good use of our money. And I'm like, because you didn't show up on time. <laughs> you weren't the one stressing out about, you know. So because of that, um, I just decided that I, I couldn't work with anybody else. I felt like I was putting in more, more of the work and not getting back all of the results. So that's when I decided it just wouldn't happen. But then I'm like, oh, my God, Chris Brogan wants to do my event. I am going to create a new event. It's back on. Thank you, Chris Brogan <laughs> Conference. Yeah, that's um, good stuff. OK, so what else can they look for that just kind of some red flags they want to be aware of? Um, I think that, you know, one of the things that's very helpful is to have written agreements with all your speakers and all your sponsors that spell out in great detail without being a full on contract, although some people prefer contracts. But I say, here's what we get. You're going to show up and you're going to do a non-promotional thing and yada, yada, yada. And you're doing this. And what I get in return is or what you get in return is I'm going to put you up or I'm going to fly you in or I'm going to pay you this much money or I'm going to buy your books, whatever the agreement may be. That really helps. Having somebody on your team, if this gets to be a slightly bigger event like agents is now, having somebody on your team who's handling that sort of stuff makes your life a lot easier. You know, some of you will only be doing your own thing and that's fine. That's why you want to start small to see what your tolerance for extra work is and things going wrong. Um, Having an editorial calendar so, you know, you know when things are coming up like, oh, I've got to get an email out this week or I've got to do a blog post or I've got to do that. Uh, Those are some things that can go wrong. We've had snafus about parking. We had a traffic jam outside of the event um, on the highway, which prevented a lot of people from getting in at time. I delayed the conference start like 20 minutes, but after a certain point, it's not fair to the people who are already there. So we just got to start and some people missed the first presentation. Mm. Here's another thing as I'm just ranting about all these things. <laughs> um, 
no matter how well you do, there will be people who will tell you that the information went over their heads and people who are in the same session who said, why all the beginner stuff? You cannot make everybody happy. It is ultimately up to the audience. You can put everything in a position so that they are most likely to enjoy your conference, but you cannot make them enjoy your conference. You have to let go of that a little bit. Uh, it's very difficult. Also, you need to realize that some people are just kind of cranks. And um, I, I remember one year I got the highest reviews of any of the speakers, which always, of course, makes me feel awesome. Um, but there was one person who said, I don't understand why Rich is speaking. I mean, I guess it's his conference. But with all those experts out there, who does he think he is? Mm. And I'm like, are you kidding? I'm like, wow. it's a good thing that's anonymous because I swear I'm going to go and I'm going to figure out who this is. I'm going to, you know. <laughs> 99 good reviews and I hear this one complaint and that's all I can hear. Yep, you know? yep. I don't know I don't know if you've ever experienced oh, that. The worst. Exactly. Yeah. So um but I think one of the things is just prepare, start small, start with a smaller event, smaller venue, smaller time period, find out what your tolerance is, is for this sort of thing uh and bring in sponsors as early as you can because right now about a third of our profit margin comes from sponsorship deals that we've struck. Wow. That's awesome. That's, that's fantastic. Okay. So start early and really focus on the sponsors. If that's the way you're going to go. I feel like this has been so very valuable. I knew it was going to be a fun interview because you're just kind of a fun guy, but this has been really good and you got to tell us, okay, so you've got this event coming up. When is the event agents of change? Yes. So first of all, thank you for saying all that because I felt like I was all over the place, but I appreciate it and thank you very much for the opportunity to talk to your team because I re or your audience because I really do love this topic. Um, yeah, so the Agents of Change, fourth annual Agents of Change is going to be Friday, September 25th, which is the last Friday in September. Like I said, we have it here in Portland, Maine. We get up to about 400 people in the audience. And then we have also the digital pass. So a lot of people from all over the country and even all over the world buy digital passes to the conference and they either watch it live or they watch it on demand. So that, you know, like they watch it, some people watch it 10, 15 times over the course of the year to make sure they get every last bit of information out of all my speakers. Who are some so, of your speakers? Um, so this year, let's see, like I said, the, the two keynotes I have are Marcus Sheridan and uh, Dave Kirpin, who started Likeable Media. Yes, and good one. And see, we have, um, I don't know if uh, anybody in your audience likes Instagram, but we've got Subi Zimmerman coming nice. in to talk about how to, yes, how to build a raving audience in, on Instagram. Uh, if anybody likes YouTube, we have Steve Dotto, who's going to come in and talk all about YouTube. I saw him speak actually at Social Media Marketing World, and right off the bat, I knew that I wanted to have him at my conference. Awesome. Uh, Ryan Hanley is amazing. He talks about uh, blogging and content creation. He has a new book called Content Warfare. Uh, he reminds me of me, except like 20 years younger and a lot smarter and better looking, but otherwise like literally the same guy. Um, he created a blog about his Albany, New York based insurance company and he's crushing it. So if you can write about Albany insurance companies and crush it, you can teach anything to anybody. So true. This is a good uh, lineup. Oh, yeah. Vincent Ng is coming in to talk about search on Pinterest. I mean, just we've got a great I mean, the whole thing is there's no weak links. We got about 15 speakers this year and uh, it's all up on the website so people can go and check it out. Fantastic. And by the way, Amy, because I love you and all your audience. Yes. I want to give you a discount code that you can share with them. It's going to be good whenever. 
they can use it at any time, but obviously the sooner they use it, the more they're going to save. Okay. So if you go and you're registering and you, whether you want to come to Portland, Maine, I'd love to meet you. Or if you just want to watch online because you can't make it to Maine that time, uh, go to the website and then just use Amy, A-M-Y. As your promo code, you'll save an extra 25 bucks off the tickets. I love it. Thanks for doing that. Guys, it's an excellent event. Like I said, I've been on stage at this event. The speakers are phenomenal. Rich does not miss a beat. He has everything. He's a he's a control freak. He's bossy, like you said. So he's I got not a control freak. <laughs> he's Don't got, believe her. He is, he is. He's got everything figured out, and it's an exceptional experience. So if you can make it live, Maine is a great vacation spot. But if you can't, make sure you check out the digital opportunity as well. Rich, thank you so very much for being here. Amy, it was great. I really appreciate it. And honestly, anytime you want to come back to Maine and anytime you want to present, we would be blessed to have you. Well, thank you so much. You have a great day. Take care. So there you have it. Isn't Rich a funny guy? He's so fun. If you ever get the opportunity to spend some time with him in real life, make sure you do it, especially if he's had a few drinks, then he's extra funny. So thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, these tips were really valuable But what's also valuable is the PDF giveaway that Rich helped us create, and it's called 10 Mistakes to Avoid When Planning Your Next Event. And what I love about this free giveaway are these are mistakes that Rich has actually experienced and how he moved past them. So I think you're going to find it really valuable. 10 Mistakes to Avoid When Planning Your Next Event. So to get your hands on that, all you need to do is go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 68 download, or you can text the phrase 68 download to the number 33444. So thanks again for tuning in. I cannot wait to connect with you again next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com.